Welcome, boys and girls, leaders around the world, to this Facebook Live episode 22 of the Relators Podcast with leadership consultant, author of his book, Rising to Power, The Journey of Exceptional Executives, and former two-time, not one, but two-time TEDx speaker, Ron Carucci, and me, your host, Kevin Edwards. Today, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the leadership but first, this podcast is made possible by folks, Real Leaders Magazine, the inspirational magazine on a mission to help you flip your page to purpose. You can find a copy in 4,500 different retailers around the world and online at real-leaders.com slash shop, where today you can subscribe and receive your free Branson edition plus 40% off your next order. Pretty good deal. But Ron, with leadership being such a broad topic, it's really hard to pinpoint down kind of its definition. And we're gonna we're gonna take a look at that, a closer look at that today on this uh, episode twenty-two. Um, and with Ron's twenty-five plus years of experience, uh, he's gonna bring a lot of insights today um, and a lot of examples on, on what he's learned um, through his, like I said, twenty-five plus years of experience. So Ron, thanks for coming on the show today. And uh, how are you doing today? It's been a long day so hey, far. Kevin, huh? it's, great. it's great to hang with you. Welcome, face, Facebook friends. Good to see you all out there. Um, yeah, great to be with you. Um, this is uh, we've had this is our we've had a rehearsal conversation, so this is going to be our, our real one. Uh, it's good to be back with you, and I'm looking forward to a great chat. It's going to be a real podcast on real leaders with one of my favorite leadership consultants, Ron. Now, Ron, nine books, nine books. What one one might say, my, my, one might say I just have issues and I can't work them out. My therapist, I'm sure, would say there's, there's something I'm overcompensating for that. I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think we have issues. You have books. <laughs> but um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll joke. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, so I, they, I don't make my living as an author, right? I make my living as a consultant right. and a, as an advisor. When I write, it's because my clients have problems and questions I can't answer. And so writing is my way to go learn about stuff to figure figure stuff out uh so that when my clients ask me hard questions i actually have answers yeah is is writing so i've i've also felt that writing is a pretty good technique as well to kind of write down kind of what i'm going through in each day and kind of help me reflect on what i'm learning and kind of points i can i can uh, go back to if i, if I gotta talk to you know a co-worker or a, a client or whatever it is uh you know how have you found uh, writing to to be helpful in your life well, you know, so contrary to what people believe about me, uh, when they see me and, you know, they think, oh, what, a, what an extroverted person, but I'm actually a high, pretty high introvert. Mm -hmm. And so I need time away to think. And my, I, can, I can actually, despite talking fast like a New Yorker, I can actually type faster than I can actually speak or think. And it gets stuff out. And so sometimes having it black and white to go back and look at helps you get clear on your thoughts, get clear on what's tangled up. Sometimes the world doesn't always appear in neat orderly categories and our problems don't get served up to us in formulas, right? So sometimes you have lots of um, tangle and tangled things that you need to sort through. And sometimes for me, writing is a good way to do that. So, so what's in the book? What, what is going on and what did you write um, in, in this new, in this not new book, but book that's, that's so out. This last book was the result of a 10 year study. Um, but it started out pretty personally. Um, we, we've known for 20 years that more than half of your peer group, when they go to begin to ascend into bigger jobs, more than half of them fail in the first 18 months. Mm. 
Um, and as a, one of our major transformational products to one of our clients, um, one of our young, very promising, sharp, talented leaders was offered the chance to take on a bigger job, and no surprise, but I thought, oh, he'll do great. Um, and nine months into it, he called me, and I thought, oh, he's calling to check in, and I'm right. about all the great things he's done, he, and he was calling to tell me he'd been fired. Um, and I could barely catch my breath. Um, to, like, what? Right. Um, Within two hours, the CEO also called me to let me know they let him go and to more than subtly infer that some of the responsibility for his failure was mine for not having better prepared him. Hmm. And I, that, of course, that hurts, right? Yeah, that'll uh, hurt. Because I, I cared about him and I wanted to see him succeed. So I said, can, we, can I come back in and sniff around? I, I won't charge. I mean, it's on my dime. I want to know if I, if I screwed this up, I want to understand what happened here. And it was that little investigation into his, his uh, derailment that led to our 10-year study Mm. to understand how could we have so misjudged this talent? How could he go from being this promising, bright, rising star to a disaster mm. in nine months? That doesn't make any sense. And you know, Kevin, what was not, uh, not unsurprising to find was how many landmines organizations put in the way of young leaders. It's a wonder any of them are succeeding. Mm. Um, the great news was what the data actually also revealed was what were the other half doing that were sticking to landing? If half of them were tanking, if half of them were rising up and thriving in bigger, bigger jobs and higher altitudes, how are they doing it? And we were able to isolate very consistent patterns in their behavior that set them apart. So it wasn't just finding out what the landmines were that were tripping up otherwise promising talent, but it was able to also reveal how do you stick the landing? Interesting. Well, you know, there's so many um, scenarios and, and stories that you hear about failure and learning from that. At least in this example, you know, you have a young leader you're helping out and, you know, gets fired and you go right to the source on your dime, go right to the source. And you learned a ton of things from this. And what you're telling me is uh, all the information, all that knowledge is in this book. It is. I, I wanted to leave no stone unturned. Watching the carnage and the waste, you know, now that young man's going to do great things. Right. Not, no surprise there. But the, the the families that get torn apart when they relocate, the organizational missed opportunities. It's just, an, it's unnecessary. We don't have to have that kind of waste uh, of people's talents and careers. And so we left no stone unturned. This book is by intent, a roadmap to say, if you're ascending, uh, here here's every single rock you're going to trip on, every landmine you're going to tap dance in, every single barrier you might hit and how to avoid it. Um, and he, and, and here's what the great ones do when they stick the landing, here are the muscles you have to have, but when you get to the higher perch to make sure you don't fall off. Now, I think this is going to be great, especially for our younger viewers. Um, a lot of our audience are, are young entrepreneurs, people, um, who are entering the workforce and are trying to strive to be that, that ideal leader one day, you know, what's one piece of advice that you would give to them? Um, recognize that leaders are bad observers of their own reality. You, you, need, mm. you need feedback. You need to have a constant set of eyes on you uh, and how you're experienced. We often think because we intend good things that our impact is good, and that's often not the case. And so the, the gap between what you intend to have happen and how other people experience you is one you can't close alone. And mm. get used to early on asking other people for direct feedback. Mm. Um, how can I do better? What's working well? Where am I falling short? 
um, and making sure you're hearing. Now, it doesn't mean you have to act upon every piece of feedback you get, but you have to at least be able to calibrate. Um, is what I'm doing and what other people are experiencing close enough to get me where I, where I, I and my team need to go? Um, and too many leaders rely heavily on their own assessment of things, and they just presume, I feel good, so must be going well, or no bad news is good news. Um, and they don't realize they're dangerously close to a ledge which they can't see. Right. I mean, that's one of the hardest things, at least for me, is just really understanding the problems. I mean, I'll go, like we said, I'll go on and I'll write down kind of what I'm experiencing. But um, sometimes the problems are the problems that we don't know, that we don't think about. And like you said, that's really good advice to just ask people for constant direct feedback. What can I do better? How can I improve? Um, so that's that's pretty good advice. But from a young leader now to an old leader for for 25 plus years of experience, what are your takeaways? Did you really just call me old? Did you really? Do, I think you just called me old. I don't, I, I, Ron, come on. Man. I'm gonna let that go. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. Please, thank you. Um, Save me one. I, you know, I think um, leadership is a mess, right? Most people, if you're gonna lead and mess. you want to lead other people, um, you, you're gonna suffer. And you need to be able to sacrifice this. This is not people like the perks of I get to be in charge, I get a bigger office, I get more money. Um, I don't think many people are attracted to leadership for all those reasons, but I don't think the thing that people fully understand is how hard it is. Um, and the broader your reach, the more you're blamed for what goes wrong and you're never yes. given credit for what goes right. Um, that's just part of a job to do yep. it well. And I would say if you aspire to lead other people or to lead an organization or to start your own company where you're going to grow it, mm -hmm. be very clear on why you want it. Be very clear on your intentions. Mm -hmm. um, and and ha have your own, have a, a leadership philosophy. Don't, you can read all the books, read mine, read, you know, there's plenty of them. But at the end of the day, if somebody asks you, why should anybody follow you? Um, you better be able to answer the question because I lead this way. Right. Um, and if you ha if you are not clear on what your leadership standards are and what your own personal credo is for leadership, get clear. Right. So you're do not saying, make it up. Do not make it up as you go. So you're saying no matter if you're young, uh, if you're not old but mature, uh, wise. If you're wise, um, you're saying that the one good recovery. Thing, that was a good recovery. Thanks. Yeah. The the one thing that all leaders need to be able to do is come in first day and tell people why in what direction they want to lead in or like. Yeah, lead, I mean, leadership is a promise, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a promise of something. And promise. if you can't say to the people, here's what, here's what you can expect to experience by being led by me. And in turn, here's what I expect of you in the service of this common endeavor we're in. Um, it's, it's a, leadership is a relationship. And if it's a one-way transaction, I speak, you do. Um, it's going to be short-lived. People, you don't need compliance. You need their hands and their heart, right? You need people's minds and fully engaged. If all you do is pay for their tasks and they, and they check their heart and mind at the door when they come in, you're not leading. You know, you're 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 pushing buttons and directing, but but you're not leading. Um, and I don't know what endeavor today doesn't require for success. Um, all hands on deck, everybody fully in. And to get that, you have to earn it. Because, I mean, listen, look, look, you don't have to look around too far to see that leadership is in a free fall, right? Leaders today start distrusted. People expect to be screwed by their boss. They expect leaders to be in it for themselves, out to use me, I'm a cog in your wheel. Nobody starts 
assuming, oh, I got a great leader, I got a great boss. Nobody even likes having a boss. Um, and so you better know that if you're going to step into a leadership role, the first set of eyes that go on you aren't going to be, oh, I can't wait to do what you tell me. Right. Um, they're going to be, what do you guys do? You know, why are you in this job? Why should I care about what you think? Right. Um, and it's even true if you go from being a peer and on the team to being promoted to the boss, the media gets reset. You don't get to take any of that goodwill with you. In fact, it's even harder because now people expect you to be a jerk. Um, and so you have to know that you start in the red. Your credibility starts in the red. You don't even get to start at zero. You start in the red. Um, and that's just the reality of leadership today. You may not like it. It may not be fair. You know, you can blame somebody if you want to blame somebody. But that's the context of leadership today. And if you don't like that, you shouldn't lead. Now, Ron, I'm sure you've worked with leaders all across the board. Um, I think you yourself, you said, oh, some people think I'm extrovert, but really I'm introverted. You know, is there a perfect balance um, of traits that a leader possesses or is it different for different scenarios? You know, I don't know that people often assume charismatic, you know, there's plenty of research that says charismatic leaders or authoritative leaders do better. They inspire more confidence. Maybe that's true um, in a momentary season. I think longer term, um, credibility, I think, is a factor of are you are you who you say you are, um, and can I predict that? Followers want to be able to predict something. They want to be able to. They don't want to wonder which version of you they're going to get uh, when they're around you. I don't think introversion or extroversion makes a big difference. There are plenty of studies that say introverted leaders are actually more thoughtful and caring and more empathic. Mm -hmm. um, they listen better. You know, so I I, I think you got to be you got to do you. I think the worst thing leaders do is they try and adopt some other persona. Mm. They try and adopt their leadership face. Most of us have some version of the imposter syndrome. Mm. We struggle with some sense of being a fraud and we're so afraid to be found out. Younger leaders especially feel like, you know, I'm not credible, I'm not experienced enough. I'm, they're looking at me like I'm young. And it's especially true when your peer group is leaving people older than them. Mm. Um, and so they overcompensate for that, what they believe it to be a shortfall by doing things that are really bizarre. They try and act like they're in charge. They, they, they try and puff up or they're overly deferent. They're too afraid to give direction. They're too afraid to be assertive. And so they ask permission to leave. Um, would you mind doing your job, please? Not helpful, right? So um, you have to, your, your weaknesses, your shortfalls are your greatest source of credibility if people know you understand them. Um, but you're in your job for a reason and you bring something to the table and you have something to offer. You got to own that too. And I think if people know you, you, you're clear on both sides of the ledger, right? Um, they'll want to, they'll trust you. That's interesting stuff, especially for you know a young guy and our team. You know, we're a, a smaller team, and I coming into the workforce, I'm working with people who are as wise as you are, man. They're they're around probably the same age, def, probably older too. And having you know my past experience in being a leader coming in you just don't get the same respect but understanding and like you said asking for that feedback trying to get better and work your way in you got to realize some of the best leaders are some of the best followers too you know um, being a team yeah. player is definitely the most yeah. important thing for me and and um, it seems to be working out so far but you're right you really can't please everybody and um, there, there's no one simple trait that's going to get you get you through uh either you know, i i tell my clients that leadership is the ability to disappoint people at a rate they can absorb mm. if you're not pissing somebody off you're not leading 
because and too many leaders you know in, in our research one of the things we looked at was power uh was because we expected people who when, as you get increasing levels of power you don't know what to do with it and often people abuse it they use it for self-interest they overindulge it um and certainly we did see that in the research but that was by far not the biggest abuse of power at all the biggest abuse of power was the abandonment of it people were too afraid to use it at all and so they couldn't say no they couldn't set priorities. They couldn't focus their organization. They doled out way too many yeses. They purchased loyalty. They purchased intimacy with almost, it's almost like leadership bribery. Um, and of course, at some point, you're going you're gonna to sink your team or your organization right into mediocrity uh, and, and an inability to execute and perform, and then nobody respects you. So the very thing you feared is the very thing you end up getting when you can't, people want to be held accountable. They want to be, they need right. to be told no. And they want to know why. But they're not afraid of your authority. But if they know you are, you can bet they're going to take advantage of that. So, Ron, I love it. Disappoint people at a rate they can absorb. I love it. Uh, now, I think I asked you last time, a lot of leadership consultants and coaches that I've been able to speak with, they all have these pillars. You know, what are your four traits or four pillars that are most dear to you? Well, so the first thing I'll say uh, is that there's no formula. If somebody tells you, here's the leadership recipe, here's a formula, here's just follow these six secrets, five steps, four laws, eight principles, 27 irrefutable, mm -hmm. whatever, run. You should run from them because leadership is anything but predictable and direct. Mm. Um, you know, people think, oh, it's like a, it's like a recipe, like a souffle. If I just am careful, it won't fall in. Mm -hmm. It's not that at all. It's a, it's a train wreck mess. And sometimes you inherit a team that's a hot mess or an organization that's a hot mess, or you put it into a hot mess when it was fine. Now, having said that, what I can tell you in our research was those leaders in the 50% that were sticking the landing as they rose. Um, we, I did a hundred regression analyses on this data, um, to, because these four common patterns kept appearing, no matter how we cut the data up, no matter what slice I made of it, these four were the things that, that kept rising up the top. And it wasn't like, uh, you could be good at three of them or two of them and suck at one of them. Unless you were good at all four of these, you were in the failure group. And my team finally said, okay, it's a hundred times. There's no more. There's no more turns of a data. This is what it says. I just didn't want to have to say you have to be good at all four. Uh, but the reality is it's the truth. And let me tell you what those are. The first one was context. context. You're curious. You could read the things around you. You could understand the environment in which you were leading. You didn't, you didn't just come in looking to impose your thinking and ideas. You read the tea leaves. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that was your industry, your team, your environment, your company, you know, whatever it was, you wondered about what was happening and why, and you adapted accordingly. Um, you didn't just slap on, you know, the answers. The second was breadth, right? So a team of people, an organization of people, whatever you're coming into is fragmented, right? There's pieces. Uh, a basketball team that you coached, there's players, right? Your job as a leader is to create cohesion. Your job is to create unity, to coalesce the parts, to see the parts as bigger than the, the sum, more than the sum of the, some of the parts, but the whole. Leaders who come from a specific discipline or background tend to only see the parts they know how to see, and they make the fragmentation worse. Breadth is bringing the pieces together, the ability to stitch the seams, pull it together, 
and create cohesion. The third was choice, right? So this is making the hard calls. This is the disappoint people. This is the ability to not say yes to everything, to say no, no to even good ideas, right? Even, the, even good ideas need to be put aside so that the yeses you've already committed to can prevail. Mm -hmm. um, you can narrow the focus of people and you're not afraid to um, hurt their feelings. And the last one was connection, right? The last one was I can build incredible relationships with people who report to me, who are my peers, who are my bosses, and they trust me and I trust them. But the real difference is they know I have their back. Right. The leaders in this study, they, they prioritize their stakeholders according to those they could help be successful, not according to those that could give them something. Right. So context, breath, choice, connection, four really hard sets of muscles, but they can be learned. Right. You can start learning them in college. Um, if you wait to your first broader assignment to start learning them, it's a higher bar mm -hmm. um, and your risk of failure is, is that much greater. So um, I, I, what I can say is I, I don't believe these are four silver bullets. I don't believe this is the this is the be all end all answer to leadership by any means. But what I can say is. Leaders who did those four things reasonably well mm -hmm. um, were the ones who, who succeeded in their organizations. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, Ron, because uh, I think you had mentioned earlier that uh, you don't suggest leaders do something that they're not good at. And, but these are for context, breadth, choice, and connection. These are all things that anyone can, can improve and anyone can learn and teach themselves and, and apply on a daily basis. Um, so that's, that's very interesting stuff as well. Um, now, we talked about this last time. Got a question for you. Your Mount Rushmore of leaders. Talked about a lot of good traits of leaders. Now I want to hear either who has inspired you mm. and what your Mount Rushmore of leaders are. Well, the, I mean, not as, there aren't necessarily people who you might know, um, but they're matter. some of my clients. Um, you know, one guy who started a family-owned, who took over a family-owned business and inherited it. His name is Tom, and Tom. he was just an Tom incredible. Tom is on my Rushmore. Tom, uh, and he was humble. He was caring. He was a reluctant CEO, but he became a great CEO. Took over his family business and had to do all kinds of difficult things to grow it and change it, and was very successful. Uh, uh, Beth, uh, an incredible leader in the medical field, she uh has produced incredible medicines she invests now in medical com in medicine companies and growing biotechs to help them realize the promise of their therapeutic areas um dave uh ceo of very big couple of very big prominent companies um humble smart well regarded um very coachable and and caring um uh and who else would I put there? It's a toss-up. Toss um, about let me just say, Greg, um, uh, eager to lead, eager to learn, um, uh, not afraid of messy challenges, runs headlong into any catastrophe, mm -hmm. and he's done it now three times, uh, where. Things are disarrayed. He inherits a disaster and knows how to build a team, knows how to get things focused, loves the idea of creating uh, something magnificent that nobody expects to happen from a, from a, a train wreck. Um, he told me the other day in a meeting that when he was a little kid, uh, he, he loved to wait till his room was such a wreck 
You couldn't see anything. It was such a disaster area that he'd have to take the whole thing apart and redo it. Um, he goes, you think that's related? I said, it's exactly related. You learned early on that you loved to create something phenomenal looking out of a disaster. Right. Um, so much so that you want the disaster happen in order to do it. <laughs> so anyway, I, I think if I were to say what was common among those things, Kevin, is I'm, I'm very inspired by just good, good people, a good woman, a good guy. Right. Um, down to earth, approachable. Um, some moral compass, right? I'm not, I don't want to moralize, but some sense of ethical um, commitment, some, a, a good degree of other orientation, so more committed to others than themselves, um, some degree of self-awareness, and some desire to do something good, some, some aspiration to say, I want to make a difference. I want to have an impact. I don't, care what, I don't have to care what the environment is or what context is. You know, right. could be making canned dog food. I don't care. But if you're committed to it for the right reasons, I want to be committed to making you do it better. Well, Tom, Beth, Dave, and Greg sound like some great leaders and great people. Um, but you know, it's, it's, as we're trying to def- figure out what leadership is, it's just such a broad concept. I mean, yeah. we've, we've talked about everything from uh, disappointing people to the, the curiosity of people to the trust, the connection, um, and the choice, the hard decisions they have to make. Um, now let's talk more about uh for for young real leaders uh people Mm -hmm. like uh, people that you've worked with you know what's what's one example whether it's tom beth dave or greg what's like your favorite example that pops out to you where you saw a young real leader that um you were able to coach up and make a tremendous change in their company well i think i don't know i mean those were all more a little bit mid-career or early career, but I think I would, if I was going to talk to somebody about that was your peer, mm-hmm. somebody who was just starting out or they were, they were on their first entrepreneurial endeavor or they got some funding and they hired a couple of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that I've seen uh, in the, certainly in the tech space um, that good startup entrepreneurs do really well is they recognize that it's not all about them. You know, they, they want to champion their own ideas and they're passionate about what they're doing. Um, but they recognize that there's a, there are disciplines you have to have that sometimes entrepreneurs don't like to have. Um, they're not afraid of the word strategy, right? They're not afraid to say, I can't just do it all. I can't be at all things to all people. I have to pick. Mm-hmm. And, they're not, and they recognize that early on they have to differentiate. They just can't sort of say, well, uh, I'm going to be the Uber of, right. you know which really who doesn't think that so but they're realistic about who they can be who they can't be and why they can win and they're and they're smart about that and they also get people around them who are smarter than them Mm -hmm. right they don't have to do it all they don't have to um you know unless they're going to be a solopreneur but for the most part they get people around them uh that that bring the right technical disabilities um and also they're not afraid to organize they're not afraid to begin to scale effectively too many leaders just start hiring people they think oh look at the look at all this chaos and mayhem look at all that great energy mm-hmm. and i'm like no they're suffering <laughs> they're, they're not happy they don't like this <laughs> exactly um it's all that entrepreneurial energy no it's not good um yeah if you have 40 people and it looks like a big you know war zone that's a signal that's a problem yeah so they're not willing they're afraid to org- they're not afraid to organize they recognize that not all, not all work is created equal you have to sort the work out and put it mm-hmm. in the right places and they're not afraid to lead. They, 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 and, and as you build something, you have to have other people leading too, right? You have to put leaders underneath you who can share the vision, take the reins with you. 
So strategy organization leadership, they're not afraid of the things that they have to do to actually grow their dream. Um, your, 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 your peer group has gotten some of the worst advice uh, in history. You, you were told, um, if it hurts, don't do it. You know, if it doesn't kill you, it makes, it makes you weaker, then you shouldn't avoid it. You've been told, you know, if it's your passion, you should follow it. Right. These are bad ideas. These right. are really right. bad ideas. Um, you were told, um, you know, distrust authority, you know, distrust um, leaders. Well, we're not, they're not all terrible. Right. So I would wish for your peer group to have some of those really bad beliefs uh, un- unwound. Um, you were told, you know, millennials are whiners. Well, they're not because they're not going to be your bosses, right? <laughs> um, they're leaving you. Uh, so I, I would just, I would want your peer group as they ascend leadership or as they, as they figure out what it is they desire to do, um, to take a second look at some of the things that we've ingrained in you, uh, as a, as a generation, you, you know, Ron, uh, that maybe, maybe some of them aren't right. <laughs> right. I was gonna say, you know, Ron, I, I think I'm getting told a lot of different things. I'm at the cusp, like at the end of the millennial generation and at the start of the Gen Z and generation. So I'm getting told different things left and right. I don't even, I don't even know which, what way is up. I don't even know what's going on. But, and I, you know what? Step back and go, what do I, what do I believe? Right. Don't, don't, just, don't just take what's handed to you. Ask yourself, what do I believe? Great point. And I think another good point you made is uh, seeing the bigger picture. You know, it's not about yourself. It's being, seeing the bigger vision uh, as we keep trying to define this whole leadership thing. Now, uh, with a younger leader, with maybe not as much experience, um, but someone who does have potential, um, or you look at a, a again a wise leader and and someone who has had the experience, um, are these things coming from birth? Or is it is this something that comes from from uh, uh, just being born with these traits, or is this something that's nurtured? Absolutely not. This is leadership is not genetic. Um, these are all learn, learn learnable. Mm. Does does leadership come naturally to some people who more than others? Maybe maybe they're they were raised in a home where they're more at ease with they're more comfortable in their own skin that they don't have too many insecurities that would get in the way, mm. or they're more they have more relationship building skills. So maybe there are some some predispositions that allow you, but for the most part, leadership to do it well is learned, mm. and it's learned every day. There's never a time where I got this. Any leader that ever says to you, I got this, run from. Um, I got this, guys. Yeah. Ron, bye-bye. I got this podcast. It's all right. Uh, and so it's an ongoing learning. These are muscles you have to cultivate every day, right? You never saw Roger Federer or Swin Williams say, I'm good with coaching. I'm done now. I, I don't need to learn anymore. No. It's because they work at it every day with help, with learning, that they get better at it, as, that, that they get set themselves apart. It's the ones who think they're finished that tend to sort of languish in obscurity and, you know, you never hear of, or they, or they create the disasters. Definitely. So Ron, thank you so much for your time. They have learned a ton, had a lot about leadership. Again, we're trying to just come a little bit closer, take that extra step to really figuring out what this whole thing is, which is why I'm going to ask you real leaders magazine. We're highlighting real leaders all around the world, doing incredible things, for uh, people in the environment and internally in their company. Um, What would you say your definition of a real leader is? 
Well, you have to have followers. <laughs> you have to have somebody go where you want to go and convince that we have to go there. Um, I, I don't think it's a magical set of traits. I don't think it's the, you know, I remember in the 80s, the, it's the art of getting others to be convinced to do things you think should be done. Well, you know, I, I, at the end of the day, right. if people want to go where you want to go, um, not just because you're paying them, uh, you're leading. Um, and that could be in your community. It could be in your family. It could be in your school. It could be your little league team. Um, it, wherever you're exerting influence on others, where, wherever you're exerting your will on others, um, if, if they're willing to go with you because they trust you and believe in what you want to do, that's leading. Mm. Love it, Ron. And so just to wrap some of this podcast up today, we talked a lot about, well, first we talked about your book, Rising the Power, The Journey of Exceptional Executives. Exceptional Executives, sorry, that was a tongue twister. The Journey of Exceptional Executives, written by Ron Carucci. It's a great book. It's on Amazon. Um, and we also talked about uh, my favorite quote from you, disappoint people at a rate they can absorb. It's a great takeaway from there. Um, we talked about nature versus nurture and leadership, and then your pillars of leadership as well. Context, being curious, breadth, um, the cohesion, the unity, bringing people together, choice, making the hard decisions sometimes, and then finally connection and trust. Um, this goes like we've talked about in this podcast in the younger generation as well as the wise generation. Um, so Ron, appreciate your time on the show. Again, thanks for coming on. Now, your last words, where can people find your book and more information about Navalent? I'd love people to come stay in touch with me. I'm Navalent, N-A-V-A-L-E-N-T.com. Come stay in touch. We've got a great blog. We've got a, mag a quarterly magazine um, You know, for when you get tired of reading Real Leaders. There's another one to read. Um, exactly. We've got a free ebook called Leading Transformation. So if you've got a big project ahead of you or a big change, uh, Navalent.com slash transformation. Come learn about it. Um, uh, Twitter, at Ron Carucci. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, so please do stay in touch. Well, folks, for Ron Carucci, I'm Kevin Edwards. Thanks for tuning in today to episode 22 of the Real Leaders Podcast with my friend Ron Carucci. And always, folks, keep it real. <laughs>